Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital culture and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Holman, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Jacob Nathan about AS220, a nonprofit center in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, so thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Jacob Nathan, and I'm the director of live arts at AS220, which is a nonprofit arts organization in Providence, Rhode Island. And there's a youth program here. There's a fabrication lab and a print shop. There's a restaurant and a bar. But most importantly, from my perspective, is the live arts program, which is a black box theater and a performance space mainly used for music performances and concerts, as well as a smaller venue called Psychic Readings. So, you know, responsible for uh, running all those venues and the programming and booking at those spaces there. That sounds like a lot. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been at ASU 20 for about three plus years. I came here starting part-time after I'd left school and was touring in a band for a while. And um, we just recently restructured all our programs. So instead of there being the Black Box Theater and the main performance space, it's now under the Live Arts umbrella. Um, so there's a lot more like cross-booking between the different spaces. Um, so this is all very new uh, in this new position. And um, I come from a music tech background, a lot of live sound engineering uh, in those spaces before. Okay, so did you learn how to do that through AS220, or was that already an interest of yours? Um, no, that's, I went to school for music technology, um, and, you know, I'd been playing in bands my whole life, so I'd picked up some, some tricks along the way there. So that was sort of my background uh, that brought me here. Cool. Have you always been in Rhode Island? Um, I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts, so, you know, right next to Boston, and went to school in Worcester, Massachusetts. So tell me a little bit about AS220. Um, It has sort of an enigmatic name and uh, (laughs) does a whole lot of stuff, so you want to give our listeners some background? Sure. Um, Yeah, the the overview um, of AS220 is that it exists to provide uh, an unjuried and uncensored forum for artists, meaning that anyone who wants to play here or display in the gallery, whatever it is creatively that they're looking to do, we provide space and support for that. So there's, you know, there's no juried process to have your work selected to get in in here. If you want to play here, you will. So as you can imagine, you know, there's a tremendous amount of demand on using the spaces. And our role is to accommodate that and provide a place uh, where people can come in and realize their creative potential. Yeah, so what are some of your favorites or the most remarkable things that have happened recently at AS220? Every year we do uh, an annual event called Foo Fest, which is a huge arts and culture uh, outdoor festival with like over 25 bands and performance artists. And uh, there's an anarchist book fair. There's people doing like fabrication demos. Uh, a good friend of mine I met there, uh, Will Brierly, was demoing his soda video game that he made a few years back. So it's just kind of like this uh, freak fest of, of events that are happening. And um, 
this year, I when I was in the performance space, there was just so many good acts that had played. My favorite set that I've seen here in a while was a band called Power Masters, who just sort of slayed that night. Um, so it was a it was a fun fun event, and it was headlined by Psychic TV, which was a really awesome way to cap off the festival. Yeah, it sounds like it. Would you consider the AS220 having like its own flavor, or is it just such an amalgam that it's just its own thing? That's an interesting question because, you know, as, as I said before, anyone who wants to play or display here can. And so there isn't really much. Uh, it, I wouldn't say that there's a, a, a strict like curatorial process. Like most of my role is if people are just like, hey, we want a place to play, um, figuring out a bill of people that kind of makes sense or who they, there might be some overlap who they want to play with or like who would go well together you know sometimes there's total like smorgasbord events where it's like a rap group playing with a metal group and it's all over the place but you know we i try not to do that yeah um but i think in reality there's all sorts of things that are happening on a nightly basis there and the flavor of as220 sort of shifts with what's going on in providence because there is that local focus and mission focus for Rhode Island. So, you know, you might hear people say that there's like a big uh, noise following or a big metal scene in Providence. And those are, that's definitely true. And as a result, a lot of those shows are happening in our performance spaces. So it might uh, lead to the perception that like, that's what happens there. And it's true. However, there's also all sorts of things that are happening there. Um, It really is all over the place. Cool. So I know that the project has been in the world since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say that it has changed or expanded since its inception? Well, when AS220 started, it was just the gallery and the performance space. So in, it, it kind of feels like I feel that the program, the live arts program that I'm responsible for now is kind of like the original uh, startup AS220 in, you know, the past like 20 plus years, uh, like since 1985, there's just been truly exponential growth of the organization. So, you know, when it started, there wasn't a youth program for um, people that are coming out of juvenile penitentiaries and looking uh, to engage in the arts. Um, That's like a relatively new program for ASU 20. And there wasn't the black box theater or the print shop or the digital fabrication labs. So there's all sorts of different programs of AS220, which exist to provide people with access to art spaces and places to create. So, you know, you you go from an opening budget of like $800, and now the organization represents about like $25 million of investment in the downtown area. So it looks very different than it did when it started. Yeah, that's awesome that you've been able to keep the project going for so long, and it seems like it's had a lot of really positive impact on the community. Why is it called AS220? Well, from my understanding, depending on who you ask, it's art space or alternative space, and 220 is the old address over on Richmond Street. We're now over on Empire Street downtown. So it's actually uh, less cryptic than it seems. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Foo Fest. How long has that been going on? It used to be called the Fool's Ball. And I'm trying to think when the Fool's Ball started. I think Foo Fest 
early 2000s is is sort of when it became its own monster and really grew into the the festival uh, that we associate with now. But it's been a part of the organization for for a long time. Do you focus on Rhode Island or regional folks during Foo Fest? Or is that more of just an AS220 endeavor and you invite I mean, you know, you said Psychic TV came, so clearly it's not just local Rhode Island um, acts, but do you slant that way with the Music Fest? Yeah, it, it's definitely, like everything at ASG20, there's a real local emphasis um, for local artists and for the local musicians that we're booking. There will be artists from, particularly for the headliner, where we're looking to bring uh, like a national artist in to be engaging with all of the local culture. And there's also the Free Culture Award that's given out every year to a national or international artist as well as a local artist, which are sort of paired together. So um, Genesis from Psychic TV was given the Free Culture Award last year. And that's sort of what brings that headliner into the Foo Fest atmosphere. Um, So can we talk a little bit about what sorts of resources or workshops or courses you have for musicians in particular? Most of what we're offering is space for people to perform. There's programming six days a week at the main performance gallery there, and then also for smaller shows at Psychic Readings and in the black box space there. Um, There's starting to be more like recording classes that are popping up through Media Arts and the Industries program. And we've done live sound engineering workshops in the past, which we're trying to expand the, the amount of education that happens in those spaces. But really what I focus on is a ton of music programming in those spaces. Yeah, so what is that like for you? Well, you know, it's just uh, thousands and thousands of uh, booking requests over the years um, that, we're, that we're accommodating. And, you know, some room to have some more uh, curated nights in those spaces as well. And, you know, I, I used to do production and sound there, so it's a great way of really, like, taking the pulse of what's going on in the city when when you're just seeing hundreds and hundreds of acts every year it's a great way of learning what people are producing in the city and also you know i go out beyond the as220 spaces as well to see shows and that's actually sort of what led to um some of the samplers that we created for fma in the past was just a lot of the acts that were playing there like oh that would be a good song and and talking to them about if they wanted to put a song on a compilation that we released through FMA. Yeah, so I know that you all have done quite a few of those uh, seasonal mixes that people can find on your curator page on the FMA. Were those all artists that are local Rhode Island musicians, or were they also artists that came through the space from the region or from other places? The only criteria really for those compilations was that you are a Rhode Island artist and that you've performed at AS220. And so it was just sort of a way of showcasing the local music talent put together on those compilations. So I think I think total was like 90 or something artists that were released in in those seasonal ones. Yeah, there are a great many artists featured on those. Do you think you're going to make another one? I think it's about time to. (laughs) I think uh, 90 is a lot. We're a pretty small city. There's way more than 90 artists uh, here, but it's it's a lot of work to put those together. But I think we're we've kind of hit like a refresh period where where we could find 90 more awesome artists to put on. Yeah, I look forward to it. Would you like to talk a little bit about the youth program? Sure, I can't I can't speak too much to it because it's it's not a 
I, I'm not in the youth program, but I can tell you that it's that there's all sorts of amazing classes that are offered up there from the visual arts to to writing to music recording and performance to dance and it's free for the youth that are taking part in the program. Do you all ever record live sessions or, or live performances at AS220 spaces for release? Um, yeah, we, we actually, we record every set at the um, main performance space. And, you know, we sell that real cheap at the end of the night for a band that wants to release it as they see fit. Um, it's like $5 for them. And we're, we're expanding to our recording capabilities there for both video and for audio. Um, we've mounted up some new spots for video cameras to be mounted there. And I think this Friday, actually, we're, we're working with a team to fully video document the show that's happening there. And we're trying to set up some more multi-track recording capabilities for the live sets in the space to improve the overall sound quality of what we're recording there. So it's something that we have been doing, something that we're trying to expand as well. So what do you see as the relationship between AS220 and the Free Music Archive? Um, well, one interesting thing to note about the all of the AS220 performance spaces, which kind of, I think in many ways, it, it naturally led to us getting involved with you is uh, that we have an all original music policy at the performance spaces, which comes out of a boycott that has existed at AST20 since its inception against the performing rights organizations like ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, boycotting the blanket licensing system that they have for uh, copyrighted material. And, you know, it's just kind of a ridiculous system where they've been trying to charge uh, small venues of any size, like tiny coffee shops to giant stadiums um, to pay licensing fees to them, regardless of what's being played there. You know, we say, hey, well, people are only performing original material at AS220 and like they own the copyright to their song. So they're choosing to play that here. Why, why do we have to pay that blanket licensing fee? And they'll say, well, you can't possibly know everything that is in, the, uh, in our repertory, so you should pay us just in case. And it's kind of, it's like this weird racket that's being <laughs> run where it's, it doesn't make sense. And for years and years, there's, there's just no transparency in how they pay out the artists that they claim to represent. From what I understand, it's, it, for a while it was, they were paying out royalties primarily to the, like the top 200 grossing U.S. tours. And, you know, like those are royalties being paid to acts that are just not coming through small venues. So why are small venues paying those artists? And if you ask to see a breakdown of how the royalties are collected and who they're paid out to, it's just not publicly available. So in response to that, AS220 has said, well, we're here to encourage local culture. Well, we're here to encourage original expression. Let's just bypass this whole thing. And as a result, we can't play licensed music in our performance spaces. So we can play Creative Commons and we can pay, play public domain. So we rely really heavily on the Free Music Archive um, just for music to be playing in our space, like in, in between sets uh, and for use in those spaces. Um, so that's, I think, initially what led us to, to knowing about the FMA. What's your personal connection to FMA? Well, apart from the mixes that I was curating, just discovering lots of awesome music through it that I might not have been exposed to otherwise. Like, I think it's, fu it's funny that we were talking about Foo Fest because when I think about it now, it's like, I think 
70% of the playlist of what we were playing on like the big outdoor stage there was music that was discovered through FMA. It, so it's funny to think about like, like, oh, they probably don't know that. If anyone from there was, was here, they'd be like, hey, I recognize, I, I uploaded that track or, or, uh, or helped curate that mix. And uh, particularly through um, WFMU, I used to listen to WFMU all the time when I was in Boston. So it was great to see that they had a, a channel um, that they curate on the FMA. So that's some of my, like, my personal interests and tastes and what I've discovered there. One of the things that I was curious about, you know, you said that you're not juried and that you allow everybody in. So do you have any sort of policies regarding like the content at all? I mean, I can imagine probably not a lot of, say, like a, I don't know, white power band wants to play. Like what what would be? It's it's funny, you know, that's it's interesting when we talk about the unjuried, uncensored mission, that's that always seems to be the first thing that pops up in people's minds mm-hmm. and rightfully so and well not necessarily white power but any sort of like really controversial act that might be right. happening in the space and this is something that's come up throughout AS220's history and we we will provide a forum for anyone that wants to perform here and you know obviously it's like we exist as part of society you can't just like come in here and like burn the place down and and break every law in existence because we we exist within those parameters but if something is really conceptually challenging and mentally challenging and controversial we'll try to provoke discussion about that and there have been events in the past where we've identified people in the community to come in and lead discussions and talk about the controversy surrounding those types of events, but we believe in one's ability to have a place to express that sort of thing. Because if you think throughout history, there's a lot of opportunities for censorship and there's a lot of denial of access to marginalized groups that are looking for a place to express themselves creatively. And we're not trying to be a judge or a jury in determining who gets a space to express themselves. So, you know, at times it might challenge you uh, on a personal level and, or you might just hate something that is being presented, but we exist as stewards to that just as much as the act that uh, that might be our personal favorite. But yeah, you, there's over like 500 events a year. So if you're in Providence, you can come down on any night of the week. There's bound to be something happening in those spaces. If somebody wanted to get involved or find out more information, what would be a good way for them to do that? On as220.org, our website, we have a calendar of events. We have booking request uh, forms if you're looking to play here or present at the Black Box um, and ways to get involved in the galleries, the print shops, the labs and media arts. So that's a good starting point for more information. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive, and is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song is Smoothest Runes by Thick Business and can be found at freemusicarchive.org. For more information about AS220, please visit as220.org.